Welcome to the Eric Andrews Lang Show, everybody. A little hot. Turn it down. Turn it down. Robbie, how you doing? Good, man. How are you? Yours is good. All right. Levels are set. Robbie, you're, uh, when, when you think of yourself... <laughs> I already I, love where this is going. I, I feel like this is going to be one of these podcasts where we just have fun for an hour. Perfect. What, what is your? What do you think of as your most defining characteristic? Like, like if there was one word that followed your name, Robbie, <laughs> Robbie Amel, is that how you pronounce it? Amel. Amel. Yeah. What is that word that follows your name? Patrick. It's my middle name. No, but mm-hmm. I mean, like, is it like Canadian actor golfer? Um, extremely I, symmetrical. I'm. <laughs> I'm a. I'm. I'm a hockey player who acts for a living. Really? Yeah. And. Uh, so wow, and you don't there, play enough hockey anymore. There's no hockey in LA. I do. I play in a men's league at uh, uh, Pickwick in Burbank. Um, what is Pickwick? I don't. It's like it's, it's a uh, hockey rink slash bowling alley. Is this my next like thing? <laughs> is it, am I about to go do adventures in hockey? It's great. It's a good rink. Um, it's a ton of uh, Canadians and East Coast Americans, guys that played in college. Okay. And uh, you get some pretty good games. They've got four levels from like beginners up to guys who, you know, played in college and right. are pretty good. Um, but uh, it just keep you know keeps me busy. All my buddies who I grew up playing with all have their beer leagues in Toronto because because it's huge there. That's that's one of the only things to do in Toronto. I yeah. Mean, what else would you do? You can golf in the summer. We've well, got good golf. If you're Sean Mendez, you have a whole. Isn't he from Toronto? Yeah. He's one of our... Are you friends with Sean Mendes? Never met him. <laughs> you don't look that dissimilar. I'll take it. Sure. You're older than him, though. Yeah. He, it's frightening how young Sean Mendes is. I know. It's crazy. It's crazy to be that famous and that rich at like 20-something. <laughs> like, like 21. One, yeah. How old are you? 30. Um, you're doing pretty well. Yeah. Yeah, I can't complain. You Things got a nice car. Really I saw good. your car. Oh, it's thanks. a nice car. <laughs> I'm car obsessed, so... I have a nice car. I just sleep in it. <laughs> I mean, that's a good car to sleep in. Yeah. What? Uh, we'll leave it unknown for those listening. They're wondering what you're driving. They probably think it's like a McLaren. It's not. It's not a McLaren. No. Um, you, uh, but you don't sleep in your car. You're, you're no. married. Yes. Because um, two of you can't sleep in the car. No. Well, that one we could. It would just be really uncomfortable. Right. It would be... Uh, well, I mean, it might be a statement, though. You could, you could definitely make some type of statement. So, but you're married to uh, a fellow... Italia Ricci. It, well, first of all, she's Canadian. Yes. Second of all, her name is Italia. I know. These things are fascinating to me. <laughs> and people are like, are you Italian? And she has to bite her tongue and be like, no, I'm French. So she's like, yes, I'm Italian. Um, her, uh, her grandma's name is Italia. So she's the namesake. Okay. And her grandparents are from Italia or from Italy, moved to Canada. Her parents were born in Canada. She was born in Canada. Okay. So she's third generation. I'm going to fix my mic. And while I do that, I want to make sure everybody knows that Robbie, you love golf. I do. So I've grew up playing my dad, my, my grandfather, my dad, um, my great-grandfather, they all played. I uh, grew up playing with my dad. I'm really glad I played at a young age because I don't know if I could handle it if I just picked it up you know, a year ago. I have a few buddies I grew up playing hockey with who picked it up in the last few years, and they love it, but they all wish that they played when they were young. Yeah, me. That's me. Really? I was 30 when I, when I hit my first golf ball. Oh, good for you. Uh, well, I don't know. I mean, I know that there are a lot of people like me and a lot of people like you, right? And mm-hmm. there is some difference 
mm-hmm. there is for most of it, I find an intersection. Like like it is just sort of a, a different uh, way of being in love with something. Sure. I don't know. I mean, I think I think when you start golf at an old at a, when you're older, you are less likely to. I think it seems like the people that started at an older age are are more likely to find some really uh, sentimental solution in the game. Do you know what I mean? It seems okay. like they get really sentimental about it. Like me. Sure. I'm, I'm incredibly sentimental are about my golf. I, go, I get on the first tee and I cry. <laughs> before or after you hit the ball. <laughs> Unfortunately, like, I think all of the above, like during, before, and after. But, but no, but I mean, like, when you start, when you play golf at a young age, it's just golf and it's just your way of living. But when I find golf, it's almost like Amazing Grace. Actually, you know what? I completely understand that. Yeah, because it didn't it didn't save my life. Golf. Well, who knows? Maybe it did. But golf definitely uh, fulfilled a very adult need, which was I don't even know what it is yet. It's only been seven years. It's a nice game that you can play into old age as well. Right. You know, it's which is odd because of the toll it can take on your body if you're somebody like Tiger Woods and you swing, you know, 125 miles an hour every yeah. time you swing. But um, you know, it's one of those things that as you get older and you're looking for time killers, you know, when you're into your 70s and 80s, you can't go out and play hockey. You can't, you know, there's no, some there's some, some contact sports that just aren't going to work. And then you can go spend four hours. Essentially, a, a friend of mine describes it as you get to walk around a beautiful park for four hours and do something while you're there. Yeah, I can't tell you when the last time I walked around a park for four hours is. Exactly. I don't think ever. No. Like Central Park, I'm trying to get through that thing. Even though it's beautiful, I'm like, I got to get somewhere. You just bring a bag. Just like, you bring your golf clubs. <laughs> a shag bag? Yeah. I think I've seen that before. I think, sure. I feel like you can get in trouble for that. Definitely. What? So you get into golf, you're seven, is that what you said? How old? I was probably, I, I mean, it's as long as I can remember. I want to say probably five years old, mm. but... um. Just, you know, um, my dad would take me out to the range with him, hit some balls. And then um, my dad has been a member at a golf course in Toronto for as long as I've been alive. Called nice U- course, medium course? Yeah, uh, it's just sold. It was called York Downs. It's still there, but um, the it was a 27, it's a 27-hole track with okay. more property than that. And it was in a an area that's just, the real estate got too valuable. So right. the course sold, but we have it for another year or two. Um, so my dad's been a member there since I was uh, a kid. I joined as a junior member, and um, I just it was my off season sport. I played hockey all year round, and then once the weather got nice, my dad would take me out golfing. If the weather stayed nice into October, November, he would pull me out of school occasionally. No way. Yeah, he pulled Robbie's me out of not school. Feeling well. Yeah, exactly. No way. There was one. He pulled me out of school. I had a broken wrist at the time, and I had my wrist. I can't remember which. I think it was my left, but I can't remember. Um, and, uh, I had my cast molded with a hockey stick in my hand so that I could continue playing hockey. (laughs) No way. So I could also continue playing golf. (laughs) So my dad pulled me out of school. We played a little executive course and on the uh, 12th hole is a 63 yard par three. Um, I worm burned, yeah, I worm (laughs) burned a, a ball right into the hole and my dad hadn't had a hole in one at the time. And right before it goes in, he goes, Oh, don't go in. (laughs) <laughs> it smoked the pin and it dropped and uh, he's had two since then but um he was like you can't tell anyone you had a hole in one because you were sick today 
<laughs> that was his line. Yeah, that's so funny. It was great. You know, Craig T. Nelson had a he had a similar story about he was playing with his son, and his son was having like a lights out round of golf, and he was talking about how like he was, uh, you know, sort of as a competitor wanting to beat his son, but as a father wanting his son to play well. Oh, anyway, it was pretty. We have a video of it. I love that. Um, Everything good, Colt? Colt's, Colt's trying to do, uh, secretly enter the desk. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Oh my wallet. What's my What go. are you doing with my wallet? You going shopping? <laughs> don't don't go and buy one of Robbie's cars. I can't afford Do it. Do it. Oh, a little pink slip. <laughs> um so uh so anyway, yeah, we we're all golf here all the time. Mm-hmm. Um you must have you must have freaked out when Happy Gilmore came out. I still love Happy Gilmore. I mean, how could you not? It's my favorite Adam Sandler movie. It's the it's story of your life. My favorite is... <laughs> <laughs> oh, I remember taking Happy Gilmore swings if I was having a bad round. The, um, the running. Oh, yeah. It's quite difficult. Yeah. It is an athletic And move. it never goes that far. Never. Um, I think I've one time hit it pure, but maybe, maybe I should practice it more. There you go. <laughs> yeah, it's a hard move. The trick shots I've found um, on on Instagram and YouTube have gotten to the next level. Mm-hmm. Like people bouncing shots to each other. And Who's your favorite uh, trick shot? Do, do you follow any of these guys? No, I mean, it's, it all co- pops up in my, because I search enough golf stuff. It's like the golf feed that just goes yeah. through. All you're going to, the, the only recommended content for you is golf feeds. It's go, Yeah. You I, don't follow that many people. Um, you like 130 people, I think. Is that what I said? It was low. I don't know. Maybe it was 320. I, it was extraordinarily <laughs> low. I was proud. For the most part, I only follow people that I actually know. That's hard to do. Mm. Yeah. Um, I And some comedic accounts. I do, don't know all of them. Do you... You have millions of followers on Instagram. Almost millions. <laughs> you have 1.7 millions. Yeah. <laughs> what is that like? I mean, do you... Because you're actually... Your Instagram personality is super chill. I love the one where it's you and your wife in a pool. And what's the caption? It says... Uh, We've gotten to the point where we put a phone on a towel and take a picture of ourselves. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're we don't. <laughs> when you're married, you stop caring. You, you stop don't caring. ask. Yeah, it's there's no shame about um, people sitting around on a pool. You don't want to ask them. They're on vacation, so you just do the <laughs> prop a phone up on a towel and it falls over a few times, and then you scroll through all of the pictures, and your wife finds finds one that she likes, and it was a success. Then you're good to go. Yeah. So are you the, because uh, your wife's actress. Yes. Did you meet on set? <laughs> we met shooting a movie in Toronto uh, called American Pie Beta House. Yeah. And we call it the movie that changed all our lives and none of our careers. <laughs> <laughs> That's not to say it wasn't an incredible experience. I met my wife. I met uh, my best man uh, at our wedding. Yeah. Uh, one of my other best friends was one of the other leads. We shot in Toronto. Um, it, it, the, the paycheck was enough to give me a shot at being in LA. Okay. Um, because it was part of the American pie franchise, it came with enough, um, uh, like press and little, yeah, I, I had a small role, but it, the name recognition of the, the franchise was enough to help me get my visa Whoa. and move to LA and give it a shot. And what's amazing is I've worked with, um, a lot of, uh, a lot of servicemen and women, um, doing some movies, some Marines and, 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 um, some army men. And it's a huge movie, um, in the military. Interesting. 
And I think it's just because it's an easy, really easy watch. It's they can you can turn your brain off. You can laugh. Yeah, um, yeah they don't want to watch Zero Dark Thirty. No, it's like silly college humor, <laughs> and you're like it's an easy watch. So it's really funny that I meet you know some of these some of these guys. And they're like, man, you look familiar. I'm like, oh, I don't know, maybe this, maybe that. Like, no. He's like, bro. American Pie Beta House. And I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. That's what you saw. That's the one. I'm right. Because like, right. you look like you could be in the military. Uh, I, play, I played a Marine once. That was really fun. Um, yeah. And uh, I worked with, it was, we sh- it was a movie called Max. And um, um, it was myself and another actor and uh, nine active duty Marines and Army men. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, uh, we shot in a little rock quarry in uh, North Carolina that they built to look like an Afghanistan village. Mm. And these guys were awesome. They worked with me on making sure I, you know, I was like, just make me as authentic as possible. You know, I don't want, I don't want anybody to watch this and be like, Oh, what's he doing? This isn't how, right. To, to as simple as like, that's not how we carry our gun. Yeah. Like when we're, when we're just on patrol, just small things. I like, like how they, that. Hold, they they hold it up to the chest, right? Yeah, they hook it. They pretty much rest it on their yeah. um, on their flak jacket because otherwise your shoulders are just gonna. Like, yeah, you can't be walking around do, holding it. Do you time. respect anyone more than the men and women in the military? I don't think so. I, I mean, mean, it's like it's, hard. That's a, I fucking walked you into a tough question. No, first I feel of all. like it's like all servicemen and women. You know, military, police officers, firefighters. Yeah, uh, like any kind of first responder. Not quite TSA, but up anything oh. else. You know. <laughs> I used to really respect the TSA, and then I found out that they just like. Did you did you hear these stories about what they do? No, dude, they would like fucking like full like they can see your genitals, <laughs> and they would like go into the room and they would like talk shit, and then I think then I heard a story about how like there was something <laughs> there was something in the room where they would go in the room and then they were like having sex in the room while looking at your genitals, and I was like, Jesus, man, I got and- in the wrong jo- I got in the wrong profession. <laughs> <laughs> But then, and there was like a whole like uh, unionization of the TSA where they would basically go slower for Delta or something <laughs> like that. Like, anyways, this whole anyway, it's a total side side note. Um, let's get back to golf. Um, so, so you're gonna you're, have trouble next time you go through the airport. Oh my god, they already don't. I got turned down for global entry. How? Uh, it's oh, a long story. I was I was arrested. Now they're when gonna I was pull mine. Yeah, <laughs> you're done. You're done. Do you do a lot of international travel? Yeah, I mean, just because because Toronto, LA, or Toronto, LA counts as international. It doesn't having feel Nexus like it. saves so much time. Yeah, yeah. Are they? Uh, I've been, well, whatever. We can move on. Do, <laughs> when you travel, do you bring your clubs with you when you go other places? I have a really, really great relationship with Cobra. Um, long story short, I I went into Puma to get a free pair of shoes, okay. and there was a bag of Cobras in the corner, and mm-hmm. I was like, "Do you guys?" Do you guys know Cobra or do you have a relationship with them? Like we own Cobra. I was like, I love to golf. Uh, and they're like, let's let's have you go out to Carlsbad. So my wife and I went to Carlsbad and Carlsbad and I got a full fitting out there. Mm. And um, my friend Rachel at Cobra has been amazing. She takes care of my dad and I. She sends us, awesome. you know, our clothes from Puma and our clubs from Cobra. How long ago was the fitting? This was back in like this was six or seven years ago. So oh, it's been sure. a great relationship. And um, uh, so my old Cobras are in Toronto. So I've got a bag there. And my new Cobras are in L.A. Ooh. So I don't have to travel with my clubs unless I'm you know, going somewhere within the United States. Right. But uh, it's awesome. That's cool. It's so great. 
having so when you have the old set in uh, at home mm-hmm. at your home home. Do, do you have to adjust to them, or is it is it easy? a little bit? A little I bit. mean, it's nice that they're the same brand, um, but the new ones are definitely like the new ones have the um, KBS shafts that right. you know feel a little more graphitey than yeah. steel, even though they're steel. They're just a newer head. They're a little. Uh, there's like a six or seven yard difference per club. Wow, mm-hmm. that's 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 a lot. I know. Well, the other one, I, I think more of it is the shaft than the head, but right. um, uh, those KBS shafts are really. Dude, really I mean, I think every person, man or woman, maybe more men, aspire to the place in life where they can literally have like multiple sets of clubs all around the world. Just, that's just sit identical. It's just convenient. Yeah. So I've thought about, you know, if I have a bad round in Toronto, I go, you should just buy the clubs here. (laughs) (laughs) That's, that's the solution. You have the free clubs in LA. Just buy the same ones here. My clubs just got stolen. No. Out of my car. No. Yeah. I was having dinner at the 101 coffee shop, you know, uh, famous location for swingers. Right. (laughs) And, uh, I like to frequent famous locations. (laughs) Um, no, it's just, I was late and I just needed something to eat, you know. And backseat or trunk? Uh, well, I have an I have an i three, so I have an electric like yep. uh, hatchback ish, mm-hmm. and so it was in both. It was in the backseat and the trunk, and uh, the car was not locked because my dog was in it. My my lady's dog was in it, and I have the motion sensor, you know, so the alarm would go off if I locked it. So I left it unlocked and I left the window open like three inches. It was the middle of the night. It was like cold. There's no harm with the dog being in the car. And I come in, I come back to the car and the glove box is open. And I was like, how did the dog get the glove box open? Must be smarter than I thought. And then uh, Sam goes, weren't your clubs in the car? And I was like, oh, I think man. so. They're not here right now. Clubs gone. And I was just oh. like, really? What are you going to do with my clubs? They mean nothing to you. They're, they're not, you're not going to really get anything. You should have driven around. Look for the guy carrying the golf clubs around the... I did. <laughs> I did. I, I, I walked around. I walked around and I, was, and I noticed that I was filled with rage. Sure. And I didn't... Then I had one moment of clarity where I was like, I don't want to meet the person who has my clubs right now. Yeah, that wouldn't end well. It wouldn't. It would end like a movie. It would be like that movie with uh, Michael Douglas. he has the clubs in his hands. Yeah, he has... And they're all sweaty. You're short a weapon. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He's holding my weapon. I'm going to get jumped. Uh, and, and And then, you know, I was just like... In a moment, it all flipped. And I was like, wait a minute. I'm like the luckiest guy on earth. You know, I don't pay for clubs. Uh... I'm just going to get new ones. And you know what? I'm just going to let do you this play? go. Uh, uh, with clubs? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> <laughs> I just got fitted at this place called TruSpec in New York, which is cool. a, what they, they, they refer to it as a brand agnostic fitting company. So sure. they were like... Like you, UGP kind of? Just like UGP. Um, and actually, UGP is where I got it fit years ago cool. for the clubs that I was playing that I don't have anymore. And I was considering getting refit there. But anyway, I was in New York... And UGP was, or I'm sorry, TruSpec was like, we'll hook you up. So they basically, M4 driver three wood uh, with like some crazy graphite design shaft. that's like, it's got like drawings on it of like space travel. <laughs> and then uh, a Gapper three hybrid. I just, I just tried the Gapper the other Ooh, day. Um, it's pretty good. I liked it, but I, I felt it was a little hybrid-y. Like I was pulling it a little bit. Well, which, because there's three. There's the low, the it high, the and the mid. mid. So I have the low, so okay. it looks like an iron. Yeah. I have the three iron low. Anyway, I mean, dude, let's just get into the gaffers. <laughs> you get, do you get free gaffers? No, I went with the, um, 
uh, I was waiting on the the Cobra version of the utility iron. Okay. So I have the two iron from Cobra. I took the three iron out of my bag. Right. So I go two, four through gap. That's the right. And um, anyway, then I got Ping i500 irons. Oh. Which I was like, these not are the gonna, brand new ones? Yeah. I was like, I'm not getting these. No way. The fitter was like, Doug was like, just try it. And I was like, fine. So easy to hit. But it was like, it, there was not a club that I could hit better. It just didn't exist. Even my old club, we compared it against my old, I had Mizunos. Yeah. And anyway, that was good. And then um, that was, and then I got Mira wedges. Do they do, what are those? Ooh, Mira, dude. Um, well, Mira, I'll, the Mira is basically a handmade Japanese golf club. Oh, this sounds way too expensive. <clears throat> no, they're crazy. They're like $300 a club. I went to the, actually, so have you seen Adventures in Golf? Yes. Okay. So the the last episode of this season is coming up. It's going to be out. What does that say on that box up there? December 11th? Yep. December 11th is the Mura episode. So we went to Mura's spot in rural Japan and watched him make clubs. Dude, you're going to freak out when you see this. That's awesome. Robbie's looking at the syllabus of Adventures in Golf episodes. Totally Just secret. Drooling with jealousy. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm ex- the clubs haven't arrived, so I'm excited for that day. What was Iceland like? Dude, Iceland? Golf? Okay, for, for no joke, Iceland is, I think, one of the best golf destinations on Earth. It's not like the, the golf itself, the, the quality of the grass and stuff is unusual. It's different. I mean, it's a volcanic island that, uh, you know, it, the grass is, has a slight hard time growing, but mm. it's amazing. The sun is up 24 hours a day in the summer. Oh, uh, yeah. And the golf is just stunning. I mean, it's just the, the, they don't have the same regulations as we do as far as putting golf courses on the water. So you've got all these like pebble beaches, basically. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, with just huge mountains in the background. And the Icelandic people, have you been to Iceland? No. Dude, put it on your list. I want to, yeah. The people are super nice. They speak English. The food is delicious. Really expensive. Um, but, you know, the golf is great. There's golf everywhere. And There's it's a, a reasonable island. flight from Toronto, I'm almost positive yeah wow air just takes you from anywhere i mean even from la you can do uh actually i don't know but anyway back to you dude uh (laughs) you you what's the weirdest place you've ever played golf it sounds like you like to travel um hmm what's the weirdest place i've ever played golf it could be Um, a dead-end question you could just pass i don't think i've played anywhere weird yet (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I've played in and around, a ton in and around Toronto, the uh, north of Toronto, like a cottage country. Mm-hmm. There are some really, really beautiful courses, um, like rocks built into oh, wow. the landscape, like huge, huge, huge granite rock faces. Okay. It's really, really nice. And you can get some great distance off the bounces. <laughs> yeah. Um, off of the rock. Exactly. But wild. You don't know the direction. No. Right. Um... um I got what's, your, what's your favorite course you've ever played? I played Pebble Beach for the first time. Uh, my dad's 70th birthday, we went out last October. Awesome. It was great. It Pebble, was so cool. Pebble's cool because, I mean, it's a great course, but in some ways, it highlights your own life. Because you go for a birthday. Sure. Like, I went for my 30th with my dad and brother. That's cool. And, you know, I mean, that's, that's what Pebble is. Pebble is like a bookmark on your golf life. Yeah, it's a special occasion. It was really awesome. Wait, so what did you guys do? Uh, we played Pebble and we played Spyglass. Um, uh, it was my dad, myself, and two of his best friends from when he was a kid. And um, it was just amazing. It was so nice. The weather was perfect. We teed off at the exact right time uh, to finish as the sun set on 18. Ooh. 
it was it was incredible. It was absolutely perfect. Um, then prior to that, I went to the Masters this year for the first time. Oh, really? Or last year for this past year for the Patrick so Reed. I guess actually yeah. it was after that. It was in April, obviously. But uh, um, my buddy phoned me. His dad had tickets for the entire weekend. He's like, my dad can't make the practice round. And this was on Tuesday. I was like, okay, I'm booking a flight tomorrow. I'll see you tomorrow night. We'll get a car. We'll drive to Augusta. We'll stay the night. <laughs> or I'm sorry, it was, a, it, was, it was two days before. So I guess it was Monday. Flew right. Tuesday. Watched the whole thing Wednesday. Um, and that's a, that's a bucket list for me. I mean, that's a bucket list for anyone, for anyone who's who ever golfs. picked up a golf club. It's so pristine. I couldn't, but like, you know, you imagine what it's going to be like. And it, I said to somebody, it was like the entire course was on steroids. <laughs> the, the grass was grass I had never seen before. The colors of the, you know, the flowers and everything in the landscaping was things I had never seen before. It was so nice. And it almost hurt to watch people just trampling around yeah. the whole place. Yeah. My grandfather used to play uh, multiple times a year. He had a friend who was a member and they would fly out from, they would fly from Toronto on Friday, play Friday afternoon, play Saturday morning, and then they would fly back to Toronto. Wow. So yeah. your dad's played Augusta multiple times. My dad's never played Augusta. Oh, oh your dad's grandfather. Friend. Oh, your grandfather. My grandfather played all the time. And your dad never got to join? No. Dang. I know. Is your dad pissed about that? Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's harsh, dude. I know. And it's too late now. Yep. Oh. I know. So maybe, uh, maybe I get my dad out there one day. I mean, I see it as being pretty possible. Yeah. Gotta get, it was funny. I was shooting um, a movie in uh, Atlanta, and they found out I, the producers found out I love golf, and it was a CBS Films movie. Mm-hmm. And CBS uh, had the rights to the Masters that year. And they're like, well, let's just see if we can get you out on Augusta. And in my head, I'm like, you guys have no idea what you're asking. Right. And I was like, yeah, for sure. Yeah, let's try it. And they came back the next day. They're like, yeah, we can't do it. I'm like, like, uh, no shit. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's like no surprise there. It is the hardest thing in golf. All right, Bixby Coffee, everybody. Look, here's the main thing you should know about Bixby Coffee. My friend Miles started it, and the guy loves golf. Also, he really was inspired by Vice Golf. This is a hybrid ad, folks. Wrap your head around that. Selling two birds with one stone. And guess what? We still only made about $4 on this ad. So mom and dad, forget it. Just buy Bixby Coffee, and the great news is that you've cut out the middleman. You've gotten started for $5. The fresh coffee is to your door because the deal is when you go to the supermarket and buy coffee, that coffee's already been on the shelf for months. When you buy Bixby, it gets roasted that day. In fact, I went to Bixby. They're in L.A. I ate a coffee bean right out of the roaster, and, I mean, I had to shit immediately, but I'll tell you, that was it was delicious while it lasted. So check out BixbyCoffee.com, and you're going to be excited, mostly because it's got caffeine inside, but also because it tastes good and it's very simple. And those are things that we all appreciate. So anyway, check it out. Bye-bye. All right, everybody. Precision Pro. Here's the thing about Precision Pro. They got started with a simple question. Quote, why can't anyone make a quality rangefinder at a reasonable price? I also have this question. That was four years ago, and now Precision Pro Golf makes the NX7 series rangefinder that's been named the best value rangefinder in 2018. That's a big thing. I don't by mygolfspy.com said that. My golf spy. 
Anyway, their rangefinders contain all the bells and whistles that golfers love without the bloated price that other companies charge. Because to be honest, nobody likes bloating, especially when it comes in your price tag. The NX7 Pro Slope Rangefinder is the number one selling rangefinder on Amazon.com right now. Is that true? Is it the number one? No one's in my house. Colt, Snowball, and Max are all in my house. Is it the number one? Check. Is Precision Pro really the number one selling rangefinder? I don't want to purport false claims. Colt's checking. Anyway, that's on sale for $218, and that's $30 off its normal price. Can you believe that? It offers slope-adjusted yardages, pulse vibration technology, which, as a human being, I love. I love pulse vibrations, good or bad. Uh, Two-year warranty. Dang, that's two years, man. That's a long time. That's longer than I've ever had a rangefinder. My last one was stolen, so if you have my rangefinder right now, it says Eric Lang on it. You're an asshole. Also, it comes with industry-leading precision care package that includes a free lifetime battery replacement service. A lot of script. I'm almost done, guys. Hang on. Any news, Colt? Still no news. We're waiting. For golfers, confidence is a wonderful thing. Doubt is not. Precision Pro understands that, and it's why their rangefinder is the perfect combo of performance and price. I love combos like that. Oh, my God. NX7 Rangefinder is, well, look at all these reviews. Does what I wanted. Love it. Just what I was looking for. Price was right. From Lowell H. Danny B says, I like it. <laughs> We're reading real reviews. Five stars. 781 reviews. Dude, here's the deal. They sent it to me, but I haven't had a chance to play with it yet. We're going to see. We're going to see. Right now, the NX7 Pro is on sale for $30 off at PrecisionProGolf.com. Two-year warranty, 90-day money-back guarantee, lifetime battery replacement service. Lifetime battery replacement. Whoa, Cadillac Rangefinder with a VW price. I like it. That guy, I want to hang out with. Major Duffer. Let's get Major Duffer on the pod because I want to see this. But the battery replacement service is crazy. Seriously, lifetime battery replacement service. For me. I'm just learning about this. Swing with confidence. Hit more greens with Precision Pro Golf. Guys. Sounds like if you don't buy this, you're the idiot. Um, so anyway, ciao for now. Rain, guys. Let's talk rain. I'm not talking about what the Spanish call lloviendo because that's literally rain on a cloudy day. I'm talking about rain on a sunny day. R-A-E-N, the sunglasses of SoCal, folks. California classic handmade quality eyewear and sunglasses and an accessible price. That means accessible. The word here, functional, means anyone can get at it. 40% off is the sale currently happening for these accessible, already accessible sunglasses. Anyway, um, they're good for golf, and they are a very sophisticated and cultured look, which is actually very true. Um, Rain maintains an undying allegiance to the local culture that inspired its existence. They are SoCal through and through. That means that a lot of SoCal going on in the frames, in the lenses, in the vibes of the people wearing the frames and the lenses. Uh, Rain's brand is steeped in stories and images of the beach, the ocean, surfing, skating, convertibles, and road trips. They've sent me a few pair. I honestly love them. A lot of people ask me about them. I can't remember the names of the frames that I wear, but the truth is they all look good on me. Hopefully that means they'll all look good on you. I think that's what's going to happen. Either way, check them out. Get advantage of the sale. Uh, uh, Rain always brings high-quality handmade frames to you at an accessible price point. I feel like I'm repeating myself, and I probably am. That's Jeff's fault because he wrote this script. Starting November 21st, you can save 40% off on all of Rain's sunglasses. Visit R-A-E-N. Jeff, you spelled the URL wrong, dude. R-A-E-N.com. Is that right, Colt? Can you check and see if that's right? R-A-E-N.com. We're doing a... We're doing a... We're doing a co-ad here and dive into this incredible 40% discount. The R-A-E-N.com, that is an accurate URL. 
R-A-E-N.com and save 40% off any. Whoa, dude. 40% off on all of Rain sunglasses? I think Colts is going to get some. The sale begins on November 21st and ends on November 26th, so don't miss out on this special discount. Dude, that is a good deal. I feel like I want to email this to everybody I know. 40% off? I'm not bullshitting you guys. How much are the glasses right now? They're 100 bucks, right? Guys, we're going deep on this ad because I'm feeling like I'm actually giving you something here. You're actually getting something. Finally, an ad is actually giving you something. Hang on. Holy shit. Oh, so I like the Remy. That's my favorite pair. Oh, fuck. The Remy is... Yeah, okay, there it is. So check it out. Internet? God, I just switched to fiber. Remy is 170 All right, so at 40% off, I have no idea. They're $500. God damn, 100 bucks for the Remy's. Guys, go get them. Let me know if you get them because I actually do care. I really do. Also, mom and dad, love you guys. Have a good holiday. Yo, Adidas golf shoes, y'all. I've worn lots of shoes since I started playing golf seven years ago, but I haven't found anything that matches Adidas. It's actually very true. Boost, all capitals, folks, B-O-O-S-D. Boost is the best cushioning in the game, and they test all their shoes so that you get the stability you need for the swing that you want or whatever. Whether it's the Tour 360, which is all around a great shoe, or the Adicross Bounce, that's what I like, uh, I typically wear, well, I like the Addy Pure, y'all, because they're classy as fuck. And I also like the, uh, I like the Crossknit Boost, y'all. It's an older model, but they look kind of fly. Everyone thinks I'm wearing running shoes on the course, but no, I've got stability and I've got little nubs to keep me in check when I over-rotate with the big stick. Um, everything that they make is so versatile and comfortable, but most importantly, they're all built to perform on the course. Visit adidas.com and click on the golf section or visit your local retailer. (laughs) Maybe just go online, y'all. Who wants to go to a local retailer? Let's face it. To find the pair that's right for you. You can also follow Adidas Golf on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook for all the latest news and releases. Check it out. Hey, Sklar Brothers here, Randy and Jason, and we have a couple of podcasts. If you you know them or you don't know them, check them out. We do View from the Cheap Seats, which is sports and comedy, and we have a podcast called Dumb People Town where we break down stupid behavior done by stupid people in this stupid world of ours. It is hilarious. Check them both out. And now, check out this podcast. What? Um, uh, so so you, when your dad does get the hole-in-one, mm-hmm. how does that go down? Does he call you? I wasn't there. He called me. Uh, he's he, he has two holes in ones, holes in one with the same foursome that he only plays with once or twice a year, and they were like three years apart. What are the chances? That's very strange. I know, but he was very adamant to let me know that he has two and I have one. Oh yeah, I mean that's important for you to know mm-hmm. to make sure that you have that information. Yeah, <laughs> and and that it was like the worst shot of my golfing life. <laughs> <laughs> Why is it always the bad ones? It was so bad. Mine was pretty thin too. Was it? I yeah, think it's because it, it covers really more shot. ground. Maybe, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Or, or maybe it's just because, like, uh, I don't know. It's it's like it's almost like um, everything's so bad about it that it might have just been online. Like, I mean, who knows at what speed? I didn't see mine go in, so I don't know. Mm. It might have hit the flag, jumped four feet in the air, and then fallen straight down or something. <laughs> and then, you know, I tried to get a hole-in-one intentionally. I sat on a par three. For two days. No way. And tried to get a hole in one. And I'm considering... How um, long was the hole? Uh, 130. Okay, very like reasonable. Yeah, sure. 127. 
So uh, actually, it's funny because I, I don't. My phone just rang. And it was John Ashworth. You know John Ashworth? No, but I. Um... It's the same name. Okay. He 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 used to have a clothing line that was on Golf Channel. Now it's okay. sold. But now he owns a company called Link Soul, which actually makes really cool uh, apparel. Yes. But um, anyway, so John uh, resurrected a golf course in San Diego, and it's called Goat Hill Park. And um, it's this 18-hole par 65 uh, community gathering place. There's music. There's a grass driving range. There's a cool. barbecue. It's really inexpensive. There's caddies, local caddies. It's, That's it's awesome. Public. Yeah, the, the, the motto is... Um, World class, working class. That's cool. It's super cool. I lived in San Diego when I first moved to California. Um, where is it? It's in Oceanside. Okay. Yeah. I played Torrey Pines a ton when I first moved to California because the San Diego resident Yo, it's rate such a deal. is crazy. Um, so I'm bringing up John because we were talking about... <clears throat> I was thinking that for New Year's Eve this year, I would uh, again try to get a hole-in-one on his course. And he was like, I'm into it. So we're thinking about it. Nice. We're about it. Like, a, would you go to? You wouldn't go to that New Year's Eve party at a golf course. I'm in Toronto every New Year's. I figured. Yeah. I wish I was you're playing busy. golf. You don't want it. it. But it would be. But as an idea, it would be pretty fun, right? Yeah. Go to a golf course, have a party with some music and lights and food, and you either end the year or start the year <laughs> really, really well. <laughs> or you just grind. Yeah, that's true. It's how many shots did you take on that? Like one thousand five hundred. Wow. Yeah. I had. I was wearing like four gloves by the end. Oh. I think I was topless, and I was wearing two gloves at the end. And, I was and didn't like, get one? No, I came like an inch and a half. Stopped an inch and a half or like went by it? Well, I was experimenting with different shots, right? So I was hitting a seven iron, like a low kind of runner. like Sure, trying try and hit the hole. Yeah. The best shot I hit, though, I think was a pitching wedge. And it just was like, think, think, and it just like jumped. Stopped. And it just was like, ah, it just needed like one more turn, and it was in. I had, well, I was uh, the day before... My wedding in LA. My dad came to town like for the week leading up to it. We played some golf and we played. A, I played a lot at Angeles National before I joined uh, a club in LA. I like that course. It's great. Yeah. And the I never know if it's the f- first, second, third. It's either the third hole or the twelfth hole because they send you off on the front and the back all the time. So I always confuse whether it's the front or the back. Is it the short par three or the long one? Because I think maybe both of those are par threes. It's not the short one. It's the, it's the longer long one. one where the green runs hard to the left. That's a long hole. Mm-hmm. That's like two ten. No, well maybe you play the tips. I don't play the tips. I don't know if I play the tips, but <laughs> this that's one a hard was, course. It was about 185 yards. That's long. And um, I played uh, like a seven iron. Or a, or a soft six iron out to the right, and it landed up on, you know, kind of midway up the hill on the right, and it starts rolling down right towards the pin. And my dad and I are watching it. We're watching it, and this thing is tracking right at the hole. It looks like it's going to go in. We're both ready to celebrate, and the ball stays there. <laughs> so we can see the pin, the hole, and the ball, and it looks like the ball is in the hole, but it won't drop. We get up there, and it is about, like, three centimeters no. behind the hole pin high it just it rolled back <laughs> and just sat there and i was i was just like damn this would have been so much better than the first one <laughs> right 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 you deserve this <laughs> this was a nice shot with great timing and it just didn't go it really is remarkable how much luck goes into a hole in one. Oh yeah i've seen people uh i play with a kid um uh at lakeside a lot who's a plus four 
or a plus six. No way. Yeah, and he's a, he's he's a, he got a full ride to Cal State Long Beach Division One. Okay. Um, it's fun to watch, and I've seen him. There's a there's a short par three at Lakeside that is it plays about seventy five yards. There's the there's two greens, a seventy five yeah. yard green and like a hundred and sixty yard green. Yeah. And I've seen him lip twice and hit the pin on the short version of the hole. Oh. And he's never had a hole in one. No. Every time he's at that skill. Yeah. Alfonso has two hole in ones on that hole. Really? Yeah. Jeez. Um, he's a you, good player. You know, Jordan, my intern, uh, mm-hmm. Caddy's at Lakeside. Did you write Oh, does him? he? No. no. Oh, yeah, cool. He's a good guy. Um, I just haven't been there that long. <clears throat> so you just joined Lakeside. You, you're, mm-hmm. you're, I mean, of all the clubs in LA, that's one of my favorites. It's really fun. The, um, for me, it was a convenience thing of being five minutes down the street from where I live. Um, my dad and I snuck onto the golf course, uh, five years ago. My dad was in you town. You snuck onto Lakeside? Yeah. Kind of accidentally. We were, my mom, my dad, my sister were in town and my wife and I were dating at the time, but we took them to Universal Studios and Universal Studios. If you look down off the, the, like the big stairways in between the two parks is Lakeside. You right. just see the entire golf course. And I was like, where, what golf course is this? <laughs> How have I never played here before? And obviously, because it's private, I just didn't know anybody there. So um, my dad's like, let's go down and drive. So we drive there. So we drop my, my, the, the girls off at the house, and we drive over to Lakeside. And I'm in, like, cargo shorts and a oh, no. L.A. Kings t-shirt because <laughs> I'm not expecting to get on the golf course. Yeah. We drive up, and the, the gate's open. Oh, boy. So my dad's like, drive in. And I was like, okay. So we drive in. We park the car. We walk up. And you haven't seen a sign that says private. Well, so but even in where pri- we play pri- private courses, a lot of times you can still walk into the clubhouse and get like some membership information or something. Well, especially in Canada, in America, exactly. it's not quite the same. So this is this is the problem. Our course <laughs> in Toronto, it's semi private. It's gated. It says private, you know, golf course, but you can still drive up, go in. There's a you know a management office that yeah. you can ask for information. Yeah, like private courses in LA, you can barely look at. Yeah. Like, they're like, stop looking at us. So we walk onto the putting green, and it's Mother's Day. So you've got a bunch of um, a bunch of people dressed up to the nines, drinking champagne, taking putts on the putting green. And my dad's like, what is this place? Right. He goes, you need to be a member here. And this guy comes over, looks at us, and he goes, uh, can I help you? Amazing. <clears throat> and you're wearing a T-shirt and cargo shorts. I'm wearing a... <clears throat> yellow LA Kings t-shirt which is the only reason they didn't throw me off because it was the it was the classic yellow and purple one and he was like that's a great shirt can't be wearing it here but Amazing. that's a great shirt and, I, and we were honest I was I was just like I'm really sorry the gate was open my dad and I are members at a golf course in Toronto I live up the street you know um, I was 26 at the time or 25 at the time and the guy we happened to bump into was the one of the board of directors for junior memberships no way yeah so it just luck of the draw he was like here's my information you know you can't be here but give me a call let's talk about you know getting you a game with some players and um i booked a tv show that shot in vancouver and i left town right i i never you know i followed up with him and i was just like look i'm i'm heading out of town i don't want to waste your time um you know, thank you for everything. And was this at the time? At the time, did you realize like the Bel Air, Riv, LACC kind of like quotient of LA golf? Not really. I golf kind of got put on hold when I first moved to LA. Right. I thought I was going to play a ton, but I mean, as you know, it's an expensive sport. Yeah. It's a 
big time consumer. So time consuming. So, you know, I moved to LA from Toronto at 19 or 20 years old, 2007. I'm like, my budget is, you know, I'm living off Subway sandwiches. Really? Because they're, yeah, the $5 foot long saved my life. So this is, uh, at what age is this? 20? 22? 20. Not, uh, this was 19 or 20. So 2007. Uh, so you come, to, you skip 20. college and you come straight to LA. Yeah. Gangster. I'm a big <laughs> fan of that move. Well, Were I, your parents okay with that? So it was, I grew up playing hockey and like I said, I was a hockey player who just happened to get into acting. I got a, an audition for I a I thought you're kidding though. You're, you're being really serious? Oh Yeah. Like I grew up playing hockey, I played against Wayne Simmons. I never, I was one of those guys who was pretty um, realistic about my, you know, my hockey career. Yeah, I loved it. I played at a very high level in Toronto, but you know, you find out if you're if you've got a a realistic shot, you find out when you're like 12 years old. That's when you get drafted to right 12, 13. You get drafted to the OHL. From there, you've got a shot at going pro. Otherwise, it's like any other really hard um uh job or or career not unlike acting um yeah i mean by the way i think hockey is easier (laughs) than acting so that was the thing (laughs) i did i did commercials and print work when i was young and then my my modeling agent phoned me and she was like you have an audition tomorrow it's my first movie audition i ever had i went in i read for it thought it went fine they called the next day they're like you booked it you're shooting for two months i hope you don't have a summer job which I did. I was going to teach little kids golf at... Uh, oh, no. Well, I mean, I'll take the movie over the golf. <laughs> yeah, they'll be fine. But um, but it, I just took it as a, an opportunity to, to change my life and give it a shot. So I talked to my mom and dad, and I was like, look, I had a blast doing this. I loved it. I really think I can, you know, I can give this a shot. So I got into on-camera classes and then booked a Disney show in Toronto, which shot for my... 11th and 12th grades grade years okay and um i was just like you know i've put together i've saved up enough money and i've got my visa to give this a shot in la so i moved down to la with a buddy of mine who i grew up playing hockey with who was going to university of san diego so i lived with him in san diego and just made the trek back and forth um but it was just kind of one of those things where you look back at it and it seems like a bigger deal than at the time, you're just like, well, I'll give it a shot, and maybe it'll work, maybe it won't. Right. I can always come back to Toronto and go to school. I can always go to, you know, my sister went to McGill. I got offered a baseball scholarship, which is so weird because I barely played baseball. The scout came to, baseball's not nearly as big in Canada as it is in the States. Right, they're like, like this game has the ball with the red laces? Yeah, it doesn't matter <laughs> at all. Like, right, there's right. not much to it. He came to a game, I got a home run, and I threw a guy out from the outfield. And that was like, that was Pretty enough. Good. That's Pretty. all he needed to see. <laughs> and so it was funny, when I got called about the scholarship, the, co- the co- coach was like, um, I can't remember his name, but he's like, yeah, is this uh, Robert Amell? I was like, oh, no, I think you're looking for my dad. And I was like, no, I don't think. He's like, no, I don't think so. I'm like, okay. Um, yeah, it's, it's Robert Mel, but uh, it's Robbie. He goes, okay, Robbie, uh, I'm so-and-so, the uh, uh, baseball coach at McGill University. And I was like, uh-huh. He's like, uh, we want to talk to you about a scholarship. And I was like, who is this? Amazing. <laughs> He's like, no, this is. I was like, oh, this is this is for real. Okay. Um Sure. So we talked it over and I was like, look, I'm, I'm going to LA to give acting a shot, but if it doesn't work out, I'd love to talk about this more. <laughs> and my mom didn't believe my mom's like, you're full of shit. This is, you have a lot of opportunities. This is amazing. 
It's just it was a weird string of like a year, right? But I uh, like looking back, it does seem like a big deal to move to LA and really give it a shot. But I had great friends who I met shooting. Uh, like the first movie I did was called Cheaper, Cheaper by the Dozen Two. Yeah, and um, I had almost no lines in it, so I couldn't screw anything up. <laughs> but I got to watch Eugene Levy and Steve Martin and Bonnie Hunt. You know, just do their thing and they were so funny and so talented and had such a good time doing it it kind of made it seem like it was a realistic goal right well you're in that sphere for a second yeah they made it they like the 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 wall had been broken down because they were so cool and so down to earth and so real that i was like you know maybe this is something that i can actually do um they didn't they didn't make it this big huge deal they were just super grounded and and couldn't have been nicer right um so i met uh i had two best men in my wedding because my wife had two maids of honor so my other best man was uh a guy named jonathan bennett who was the lead guy in mean girls okay um and johnny kind of took me under his wing and you know he was like this is everything i know about the industry these are the things that you should avoid these are the things that can be great uh I didn't even have a real agent in Toronto at the time. And he goes, well, here's what you do. Find out from one of the other kids in the Canadian side of the cast who the best agent is. And you phone them and you say, hi, my name's Robbie Amell. Uh, I'm currently shooting uh, an $85 million American movie in Toronto. And I would like an agent. That's really <laughs> and goes, smart. And they'll say, great. Yeah, done. <laughs> so I got a Canadian agent. Not in quite as many words, um, but uh, it just kind of changed my life, and I decided to run with it, and luckily, it hasn't blown up in my face just yet. I mean, it's, it sounds, you know, when you talk about the idea of, like, it wasn't a big deal, right, when you started mm-hmm. out like that, like, how, what what age are you saying that that was, like, uh, 19. 19? Okay. So I was, it was, the, the movie was the summer before 11th grade, so I was 16 at the time, but I... I always found that I was like a kind of a mature 16. Mm. Um, part of which was just because the guys I grew up with playing hockey with, like we probably grew up a little too fat. We were drinking on the weekends. Like we were, you know, I was a 16 that was kind of acting like probably an American 18 or 19 year old. Like I feel like my college years were my last couple years of high school. Right. Like, just with the people I hung out with and the trouble we got into. Um, which is why I kind of feel for people like, you know, the, the Sean Mendez or the, ju- the opposite side of that, like the Justin Bieber's. Sure. Where it's like, this is a guy who literally grew up under a spotlight, under a microscope with unlimited finances. And I was just like, man, if everything I did in high school was on Twitter or Instagram, like, I would be painted like a dickhead too oh yeah no i would be i it would be a caricature of myself yeah, like i was given the opportunity <clears throat> to kind of screw up and learn from it and grow from it whereas you know i think that's kind of tough for for some of these young um celebrities so yeah. I'm, I'm glad i'm kind of glad that i got started with a little later in life yeah i got to screw up <laughs> well i mean i think that's the big I, I don't know i was just thinking about the idea that um if you don't know the consequences, mm-hmm. right? You can almost like go into it with, like you said, like it's like it wasn't a big deal. Like I'm gonna go move to LA and try this thing. Whereas like 
all of a sudden there's an element of adulthood where everything becomes very serious. Yeah. What if it doesn't work out? Yeah. Well, then you just go home. And what's funny is for me right now, like, I mean, I'm 37 and I'm trying to just sort of incorporate as much, you know, playful experimentation, no big deal. I mean, I read this thing once about, um, you know, kids, right? Like, like developmental childhood, two years old, whatever. Like, when they, uh, without any parental um, focus or attention, you know, they just sort of figure out how to walk. And it's like, that's it. But when we're there, or I don't have a kid, but like when a parent is there, they start clapping and they smile. And the kid's like, I've done something good. But really, the child is just figuring out how to stand. And once they've done it, they're like, all right, moving on. Next. And it's kind of like when they fall, it's also not a big deal. I mean, they might get frustrated, but... I don't know. I just kind of been looking at, you know, the work that I do and how I can continue to experiment with it, but it is difficult. Yeah. I think the fear of failure, failure gets much more drastic as you get older. Yeah. Um, I think it's kind of the thing where, you know, is it really worth trying it when I, I, a lot of things I do, I try and not to let, not to let a lot of people I know I'm doing it. Cause then like, I don't have to deal with, if, if it doesn't work out, then I don't have to deal with the you know, the other side of it where people are like, oh, you're still doing that thing? Like, no. no, no, no is this no, a superstition? No. It's, it, some of it is some things that I feel like I'm just going to like half-ass and just kind of try and maybe it works out, maybe it doesn't. Then, you know, I don't really do it. But if it's something I want to be held accountable for, like something big that I really want to, you know, give a real shot, then I'll tell like, you know, the close friends. Right. And then they'll keep me honest and see if I'm still on top of it. Right. See, this is why in golf I call every shot. <laughs> <laughs> I just call every shot, you know? Uh, and now in every part three, it's a hole-in-one. Of course. And even though it's been about a long, dry stretch. <laughs> do, you, do you experience any, you know, because I, I play golf and I'm me. And I'm on the tee box and I'm just thinking about golf you, the way I think about it. Just a quick question. You started at 30 years old. Yeah. What's your handicap? It's a seven, six, eight, seven. Good for you. That's great. Thank you. How long did it take from like after you started, after you hit your first golf ball right. to be in bogey golf? Uh, maybe three years, two or three years. Yeah, probably about that. Do you find you maybe get more even... frustrated now that you're better? Uh, now I'm experiencing a wonderfully peaceful time. Good for you. Yeah. It, there was a period several years ago, maybe two, three years ago, when I was trying to get better. Mm -hmm. And then you go, trying to get better ruined my golf game. Yeah. Yeah. I completely understand that. I'm like, I'm playing more golf now than I ever have in my life because I joined the club. Uh, I, I have an Amazon show that doesn't start shooting till the end of February. Awesome. It's great, but I'm in kind of this, this work limbo where... It's tough to book a role that will shoot between now and February. Yeah, because any most things will run through February or at least into February, and I just like I can't commit to them. So I'm in That's this annoying. weird limbo of like, okay, I've got a ton of time on my hand, hands. Let's get really good at golf. Let's get to a plus two. <sighs> <laughs> and like, I'll go out and shoot. I had my lowest round I've ever had at Lakeside. Oh, I wow. shot seventy three. Dude, that's a in hard a course. Tournament. That's even par, right? Uh, it's no, it's a seventy. So I was oh, three over seven. with a double on seventeen. Ooh, I know. And seventeen's a hard hole. Did you miss left? No. It, it, so the interesting thing was, I was I was in the rough on the left. 
um, and I had to go over the small tree, which was fine, but the ball just flew out of the rough on me. Oh. They had the rough nice and long for, um, it was uh, the Bob Hope, okay. um, uh, which is a member member, um, and uh, it just it just came out of the rough. Uh, one hopped on the green, and behind the green it goes like steep quickly. It's um, like Mount Everest. Yeah, and I put a, um, I took a like a lob wedge, and I just put it a little over the pin, um, through the fringe. Really bad putt, and then um, left my bogey putt on the lip. It just ah. sat there. I mean, so dude, there's getting my up double. And, getting up and down at Lakeside is no joke. Yeah. Lakeside's a really, if you haven't played in LA, Lakeside is one of these beautiful courses that's long, it's tight, the greens are it's a little It's only two pop. par fives, which is a that's right. bitch. Just and two there are holes fives. two and four. Yeah, exactly. So after, right there. Starting on the fifth hole, you got no more scorable par fives. The, uh, the fourth hole does not feel like a par five because I have never seen anyone get there in two. I've only seen a couple people do it. It's 580 yards, but it feels way more because it's always into the wind. Yeah. And the tee shot is slightly uphill into rollers. Yeah. And then unless you get down the hill off the tee, which is like 310. Yeah. You're not getting home in two. You have to beat your drive and you have to literally land it. Like, you know, you've got a very small landing area in order to actually get the route, the roll you want. And then you're likely hitting a three wood to get on to a green that's surrounded by bunkers and is the tiniest OB green left. The, the green is smaller than this bedroom. The, the we're, not, was, we're not in a bedroom, by the way, we're in a fucking office. Relax. The, <laughs> there was a kid in the Kelly cup, a college player, uh, that went driver four iron. No. Yeah. And made his Eagle from like six feet. I just love Lakeside because to me, I grew up in New Jersey on the East Coast. So, like, you know, Lakeside feels like it's from there and probably for you, like Toronto. I completely agree. Yeah. I hate Kikuyu grass. Oh, I hate it. So much. I hate it. Growing up in, on the East Coast, like, you, we don't have it there. No. It's like hitting off of a carpet that's not attached to the ground underneath it. <laughs> it's the worst. Yeah. You can chunk a chip so easily. Uh, that's my favorite part about Lakeside. It's, it yeah. feels like East Coast grass. Did you, uh, you joined it because of the neighborhood, I guess. Yeah, that's what you said. I joined it f- because of a few things. I've played. Um, I mean, it's your spot. Let's yeah, face it. It's amazing. It's the entertainer's club. It's so great. Yeah. There's history behind it. It's really cool. Um, you know, Have you met Bob any Hope of the other notables? Um, Joe Pesci? Pesci. <laughs> my wife. So they, uh, uh, my wife and I went for dinner and Pesci comes walking over and he's got a hat on, and he's talking to my wife, and they're arguing about how to pronounce something in Italian. Oh. Yeah, and like he's taking his hat off and put it on her head, and he leaves, and my wife just goes, yeah, my dad's never going to believe any of this. <laughs> <laughs> like he's, you know, he's a legend, and then he's even more so an Italian legend. Right. Like he's been in every, you know, like casino. He's been in every big mobster movie. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, I mean, his best role was in Home Alone, though. Yeah, I like, I can't argue with. I mean, it's that. so good. Yeah, Marv. <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, who do you admire the most uh, professionally? Acting or golfing? Ooh, <laughs> or hockey? <laughs> well, let's do all three. Let's do all three. I was at the hockey game last night. Um, I'm a, I I grew up a, a Leafs fan. My grandfather was on the board of directors, so I I spent a lot of time at Maple Leaf Gardens. But growing up, they were really bad. Yeah. So I moved to LA and got season tickets with my cousin. And we watched <laughs> them win two cups. So it's nice to see the Leafs be really good 
um, with Austin Matthews and uh, Tavares and everything. But um, that's off topic. Anyway. Um, I wish I knew more about hockey. I have seen a couple hockey games in person. It's way better live. It's I feel so like fun. most people that, that don't get into hockey haven't seen a hockey game live. Yeah. I understand not being able to watch it on TV unless you played it. It's tough to follow the puck. It's not nearly as loud or fast or ex- yeah. exciting. Uh, but seeing it live is great. How much time do we have left in the season? It just started. Oh, great. I'm yeah. going to buy some tickets. I'm going. Go. You know what? Spend the money. Sit on the glass for one game. On the glass. On the glass. In LA, it's su- it's super reasonable. Yeah, it's like 150 bucks or something. Yeah. Sit. F- don't sit second row. Sit first row <laughs> on the glass because the glass bends now too. Whoa. So like when a guy gets hit beside you, the glass goes right towards your face. Whoa. And it's just... It's loud and it's fast, and it'll it'll make you appreciate the game. It's better going to one game on the glass than like three. Yes, tenth row. Yeah, I think I did tenth row. I went on Valentine's. Tenth row is really good because you can you're at that nice level to see over the glass. Yeah, and you can see the whole game. Yeah, you want to either be first row just for the experience, or you want to be like twelve to fifteen. Okay, I think I had probably been advised somewhere. Yeah. and then do you, are you a Bill Burr fan? Yeah, he he's a big hockey guy. Is he? Loves it. You know, I don't. Do you listen to podcasts? Uh, a few. Yeah. What do you listen to? I like Joe Rogan's. He's amazing. It's just so weird. Yeah, he's amazing. I mean, he is. Uh, but sometimes I'm like, this is three hours. <laughs> there could be a little edit. There could. I mean, it's kind of baller that he's just like, fuck it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, he's. Uh, His guests he's awesome. are also in crazy. Yeah, and there's He's no crazy. rhyme or reason. No. They're just interesting to him. Yeah. Which is cool. Yeah. Um. Uh, fantasy football, fantasy okay. focus podcast. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I, uh, you know, NFL wasn't that big when I was growing up in Real, Canada. In Canada, but now it is, right? It's big now. Yeah. It's made the 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 leap. Also, maybe it just was that like I was such a hockey kid that NFL wasn't that big a deal. Sure. But uh, moving here, getting into fantasy football with the same group of friends that have, we've been playing it for seven years now is like I'm obsessed. It's bad, dude. NFL is really awful. It's a great. It's a great game. Yeah, it is. It's easy to watch too. It's way better than baseball. But it's I incredibly love frustrating to play <laughs> fantasy football. I never been able to mess with that. It's awful. I don't think I'm, able, I'm like it takes a lot of time. It does. It, eh, yes and no. Like football, you can get away with just doing a little bit of work. Like baseball or basketball, you got to change guys every day. Well, someone tried to get me fantasy golf, and I was like, "You're kidding me, right?" It's it's anyone's <sighs> so guess. Like DraftKings or whatever. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. who knows? I know. It, Tiger's You'd supposed to be the best. probably actually do really well at it, though. Because you have a certain amount of money that you can spend. So you'd be good at finding the guys that probably won't win, but are going to make the cut and like are always in like that 20th right. range. Right. You'd probably crush fantasy. Well, goal. Charles Howell III, right? There you, you go. You know that guy? Mm-hmm. He's made like $50 million. Come on. Yeah. And he's just like, he's won just once. Mr. I think. Casual. Yeah. Mr. Like T19 every week. <laughs> Every week, he's literally raking in like $98,000 a week. <laughs> boom, boom, boom. And he does that 30 times a year. There you go. That's $3 million a year. And for the last 14 years, he's done it. Yep. Something like that. Mr. T for 90. <laughs> it's crazy, dude. And he's just like, you know, he's just, but I don't know. Anyway, um, so, but you know, not Bill Burr, huh? Not, not the yeah, podcast? Like, Check out his podcast. I will. He's all hockey, dude. Oh, I mean, cool. he's all sports, but he loves hockey. All right. I think actually I was listening to him intensely when I bought the hockey tickets. Really? It's funny how that melts in yeah. your life, you know? <laughs> what I really wanted to get at, though, is like as, as a hockey player, you stand on the tee. You're playing golf. How do you think, you may not know the answer to this, but how do you think golf is different for you as a trained, athletic hockey player than for other people? 
Um, it might not be. Uh, it's funny. I a lot of people, a lot of people I'll play golf with that know swings and athletes. They'll be like, "Oh, you're a hockey player," and um, I I can't pick off what it is, but I guess it has to do with years of taking slap shots from a certain you know body position. Um, I don't have a lot of hip turn, and yeah, I saw, uh, I did I did Google your swing. <laughs> I saw it. <laughs> it's so intimate, by I the way. I don't have a lot of hip turn. It's a lot of shoulders, and I think it's from years of slap shots. Yeah. Um, uh, snap shots. We've got too. a high finish, too, right? Don't you? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And um, uh, putting, I feel more comfortable pointing towards the hole a little bit, almost like a snap shot. Whoa. Like, rather than being completely square over top of the ball, um, it just feels... You want to be kind of open. feels more naturally Jack a little Nicholas. open. Yeah, that's what I heard. I didn't even realize that until I was talking to someone. They're like, yeah, Jack Nicholas did that. He wanted wide to open. see the putt go in the hole. Yeah, he was wide open. I was like, oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. But um, it's so funny. You like, having played a lot more lately, I've been going in these YouTube deep dives of Ooh. trying to fix things in my In your game. golf game? Yeah. Who's your favorite YouTube instructor? Uh, I don't even have one. I just like I Google what I'm looking for and there will be articles attached to YouTube videos. And some of them are just like guys in their garage. Like some of them are guys who are obviously in a cold climate somewhere in the UK. <laughs> um, some of them are straight off the golf channel. Right. And it's so funny. There are conflicting oh, yeah. uh, um, information or tips yeah. trying to do the same thing. Yeah. And I'm just like, well, who's right here? And you just have to try it out for yourself. Dude, do you take lessons? I haven't taken a lesson in a really long time. All right. You know what? Here's the thing. I'm going to recommend this to you. I wouldn't recommend this to everybody because you have time and money. Mm -hmm. I think you should go see Dana Dahlquist, who's my swing coach. Where? He's in Long Beach. I won't do it. Yeah. I it's too won't. Far. It's too far. But you have the time. No, I'll, you're the Lakeside's five minutes. You're away. one of the few people. Okay, fine, fine. <laughs> I mean, but Dana is. I mean, he coaches. Well, speaking of Charles Howell the Third, but I don't doubt that he could help me. Right. But I also think that he would hurt me first, <laughs> and I just can't handle of, getting of, worse in order to get better. A lot of swing coaches will do that. I've um, like I, I'll go out and shoot like seventy three, like I did that day. And then I'll shoot an 82 the next day. And I'm just ready to snap a club over my knee. And it's one of those things where you're just like, what am I doing different? And there's so many things that it could be. And it's a game of, you know, millimeters. Yeah. And I'm starting to just kind of be able to justify that some days will be better than others. I mean, that's it. I mean, you're if it was the same every day, you'd be bored. Yeah. If you and I would probably be doing it for a living. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like if I could Even, really figure it out and like it was easy someone was someone hit me with some info like we were playing golf with this person who was like I'm not playing very well and the guy we were playing with was like well luckily the great thing about golf is you can always be better quite literally Tiger Woods would like to be better yeah you can't win yeah. You can win a tournament, but you, like you can't beat the game no there's no perfect round mm. it's impo- even at 59 you probably had a, you maybe left one in the bag Ugh. Who knows? The the kid I play with shot sixty at Lakeside. He set the course record on the new course, and he had a bogey. No. Yeah. He also went birdie, or he went um, eagle birdie birdie to finish. He how did he eagle the sixteenth? 
put a wedge in. <laughs> Sucked it back right in the hole. Birdied 17. Uh, birdied 18. Had to drain like a 12-footer. And his dad knew it was... He was playing with his dad. And his dad knew it was for 60. Oh. And was just like waiting, waiting, waiting. And he he always plays from the far the, the deepest tees. And because he plays in so many tournaments, he finishes every putt all the time. Yeah. So it was a... It was a super authentic, yeah. lights out, authentic sixty with I thought, a bogey. I thought I played well when I birdied sixteen and seventeen there. I mean, those are hard holes, but uh, I'll take a birdie on those holes every day. Eighteen is a hard hole. Yeah, it is. Um, Lakeside has some of the best tee boxes in California. They're perfect. Do you, know, you ever know? Do you ever? I have a problem with tee box that <laughs> that ain't like that that aim straight when i want to play it to the right or to the left right because my body just wants to aim exactly where the t-box are aimed interesting so i need t-box to aim where i want to aim i want to renovate all the t-box to my ball flight maybe you could create like a little like um you know a device that you could bring with you that would like change the way you see the t-box i'm gonna start setting up two t's on either side (laughs) of me that are the tee box, my personal tee box. Uh, so this is the uh, pro tees, and those are the Robbie tees. <laughs> Robbie tees, are the, and the Robbie tees just have like these crazy lines all over it. These like divots everywhere. Where's he going this time? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, dude, I mean, is there anything else I forgot? I mean, I feel like this is episode one. I feel like we'll have to continue this again after we play golf together or something. Absolutely, um, that'd be awesome. Yeah, is there anything else that we need to tell people? Get ready to watch this show coming up. When is it going to air? Yeah, I mean, it'll be a little while. My, uh, <laughs> it'll be like a full year. Yeah, well, so the crazy <laughs> thing is we shot the pilot in January. Oh, and my goodness. It's from Greg Daniels, who created The Office and Parks and Recreation. Yeah. He's a genius, and I'm such a huge fan of his. So it was a process to to book it and be the guy. Uh, but I ended up booking it. We shot in January. We had a lot of fun. It's called Upload. And okay. the basis is it's a comedy where... Set in the future where if you know you're going to die, you can upload your consciousness to heaven. Whoa. And um, my character's working on this free version of heaven because heaven's run by different corporations. Right. Like Netflix has a heaven and Panera Bread's a big company in the future for really? some reason because Greg's weird and funny. Yeah. And um, I mean, it's a good, it's a good lunch. Let's go. face it. They paired with somebody. I can't remember. They grouped up. And um, my character's creating this free version of heaven that you can just have with your family. And um, my self-driving car crashes, and I'm being rushed through the hospital, and it looks like I'm going to die, and I don't want to upload to heaven, but um, my girlfriend convinces me to and uploads me to her account. She's very wealthy, and her family has unlimited data on both sides for heaven. So think of heaven as a phone plan. Okay. And I get uploaded there, and it turns out it's essentially an old folks home, because you really only get to upload if you know you're going to die. Anybody that dies quickly doesn't have a chance to upload so most people who are young you know die Ah. in an accident get uploaded you know unless you've got some kids who are sick or anything like that you've get some young people and the problem is the the young people there still look young because it's taken from your likeness so i meet a kid who's like you know 20 years old but he still looks like he's 12 so it's this really weird out there think of like a comedic version of black mirror Right, yeah, because there is a Black Mirror episode. It's the, uh, it's the. Um, there is an episode, the VR one, where the the um, the older people tap into like the, they go to like their paradise or whatever. Yeah, yeah, it's it's. I can't remember what it's called. Like there San, some San similar- Gabriel or something. Yeah, or there's San- some similarities to that. There's some similarities to um, um, the Good Place. 
Yeah. But it's super fun. It's super out there. But we shot the pilot, and then Amazon had a full like regime change. Uh, oh, like so over of the executive overhauled everybody. So we were kind of in limbo. Like, are we gonna go? Are we not gonna go? And then uh, at the eleventh hour, they're like, "All right, you're gonna, you're, we're, we're gonna pick you up for a season." And then uh, uh, they're like, "All right, well, we need to open the writers' room. We got to write all the episodes." And they're like, "Well, by the time we're finished writing, it'll be, you know, end of November." And we shot the pilot in um, L.A., but the show's gonna shoot in Vancouver. So like, it's too cold and gross to shoot in Vancouver in November, December, January, February. So we'll start in March. So it'll be over a year from like pilot to second. Is episode. the pilot gonna air as the first episode? Yeah. Whoa. So it'll be it'll be ten episodes on Amazon, all released at the same time, similar to how Netflix does it. Awesome. Um, it's super fun. It's super weird. There's a great part in the second episode where, or third episode where, like my character doesn't really know what to do with his life in this upload world. Uh, the place I am is it's called um, Horizon Lakeview. Like how long are you there? Infinitely? Yeah, you can't upload back or download. Can like, you? You can't commit suicide in heaven. I there is. Oh boy. We go across we we talked about that in the first episode. There's a, a a data stream that you can just jump into and you're gone. Whoa. And I I contemplate it. And then um but I'm like I I have I have no purpose here. I can't do anything. You can't yeah. work because it's illegal because technically you're dead. So, I'm and just like what do taxes? I do here? Yeah. So, she's like let me show you something this. So she takes me down the elevator to essentially like the like ghetto of the upload world and there's a little girl reading a book in a corner reading seven pages and then starting from the beginning there's okay. a guy just staring at a wall a guy walks by with a, like a ken doll type uh uh private area like Whoa. oh he he's got like no genital he has no no dick just ken doll oh like like it's just smooth and I'm like, like the hood of a car i'm like what is going on here <laughs> and she goes these are the two gigs. They only have two gigs of data per month. So once they're out of your data, like, and I'm like, he doesn't have a dick. She goes, he can't afford a dick. No. Like, she's only reading seven pages. She's like, That's, those are the first seven pages. They're free. Oh, my God. So it's, it's super. So you're a VIP. Yeah. You're like, I'm living. Mm-hmm. So are you like, can you get lunch and shit and you go get food? And well, hang everything's an upcharge. Like I try and, I try and buy something and it, a little cloud pops up and it's like in-app purchase, two ninety nine. And I try and take it, and I'm not the one who owns the account, so it has to send my girlfriend a request for her to approve the charge. Can you meet? Can you have? Can you have a girlfriend in this heaven? Well, I have my girlfriend like outside cheating. of heaven, like and cheating. she essentially owns me as a human being in this place. Can she place. see what you're doing? Uh, yeah, she can check in. Oh my! And God. she can come in. They call them hug suits for like. Old people or for young people to come in and hug their grandparents. Dude, they make these for right now. But for they're like just sex suits. Phone sex. <laughs> no, seriously, someone wears a glove and then there's an attachment. They, come on. I did a thing. Stop it. No, I mean, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. <laughs> no, I did a pilot for a show on cyber sex. And there was a whole... I didn't do it. It wasn't me. Um, dude, that's so crazy. This sounds like the coolest show ever. It is really interesting. The amazing thing is when I met with Greg, this has been like his brainchild for... 15 years, 20 oh, wow. years. Oh, wow. But nobody was willing to make it oh, 20 sucks. years ago because they were like, this is crazy. This is way too out there. No one will go for this. And then Black Mirror was a huge success and all these shows. And they were like, oh, okay, we'll make that show now. Yeah. And the poor guy, he watches like episodes of Black Mirror. And he's like, damn, like this was in my script years ago. 
So it's just like, it's crushing some of his great ideas. It'll still be great, though. Oh, it's really, really And fun. what's it called again? Upload. Upload. Yeah. But I'm Dude, doing I that. Dude, I can't wait. That'll be uh, probably... A, a, a it's going to be a year. This time next year, yeah. yeah. But um, I, I might get to play some golf in some cool places. My, uh, my cousin and I did a movie called Code 8. Okay. If you go to code8.com, you can watch a short film. We raised two and a half million dollars on Indiegogo. Wait, you guys produced it? Yeah. Dude. Yeah. My my really good friend Jeff Chan, who directed it out of Toronto. Okay. Um, we've self-financed a short film. Uh, we have an amazing group of friends who uh, run a visual effects company in Toronto. They did all the visual effects at cost. This thing looks like it looks like a you know a really expensive short film, but it was just all sweat labor from friends. And um, we ended up making a great movie uh, this past summer, last summer in Toronto, and then we had reshoots this past summer. And um, we're going to sell the movie in March, and then we have a global premiere tour. We're going to London, uh, all over the United States and Canada, and then we're finishing in Australia. Ooh, awesome. Yeah. So oh, that one's really man. fun. That'll come out um, this uh, uh, next summer, maybe June. Okay. That one's really fun though. That one's like that one's been two years in the making for for me and and my cousin and uh, and my buddy Jeff. It's it was a it was a swing that we decided to you know take a chance on and it really worked out. And so the short in in encompasses the concept of the feature. Yeah. So the short is a it was a world builder and like a proof of concept. It doesn't actually take place in the feature version. Um, my character is very similar. Um, a guy named Sung Kang who played Han in the Fast and the Furious franchise. Okay. He plays a cop. His character is very similar. Uh, my best friend in the short film actually becomes Sung's uh, character's partner in the um, uh, in the feature. Okay. And then my cousin, uh, who's in the feature with us, uh, kind of takes me under his wing. My mom is sick in the movie, and he takes me under his wing and um, shows me kind of the underground... Um, uh, the criminal underworld of using your powers to make money. Uh, in in this world, four percent of the population is born with some kind some kind of abnormal ability. But you know, there's no Superman. There's no there's no superheroes. These are just people who are trying to get by. Most of the powers are completely useless. Some of the you know they range from a class one to a class five, and a class five is dangerous. But a class one is really nothing at all. But nobody will hire you because. You know, anybody with powers kind of looked at as minority and, and um, everybody's scared of them. Really? So the police force is very militarized. You've got robotic police force. You've got drones. Um, it's kind of our take on the superpower genre, but um, it's much more grounded. It's kind of like a a crime drama. Dude, I love all the sci-fi. It's really fun. I'm really into it. Cool. Yeah. I think you'll dig it. This one, this one was... Um, it was really fun to put together and, you know, we launched this Indiegogo campaign hoping we would make, you know, a couple hundred grand to get our, you know, our movie off the ground and uh, two and a half million dollars later, people really dug it. How did you get two and a half million? We sold a lot of t-shirts and hoodies and the premiere tour, we're doing premieres in, uh, so London, Toronto, Vancouver, Chicago, oh, I see. So you New sold York, tickets. Miami, Dallas, L.A., uh, two different parts of Australia. We haven't decided yet. Sydney and Melbourne or Sydney and Perth. Um, and then we sold, um, we got a great deal with China. So we're going to do a China release as well. Okay. Um, but it was just one of those things where we just kind of hoped people would dig it. And um, the fans have been 
absolutely incredible. Right. I was at the hockey game last night and um, the usher um, who would come down and, you know, make sure nobody tried to jump on the ice over the glass. As I was walking up, he goes, hey, this guy's like, you know, maybe 45, 50 years old. He goes, hey, when's, when's the movie coming out? Whoa. And I was like, Code 8? He's like, yeah. I'm like, oh, like this summer, uh, I think. He goes, what are you going to do? I'm like, oh, I don't know, maybe you know, a Netflix or an Amazon or a streaming thing. I'm like, maybe theaters. We're, we're not sure yet. We haven't sold it yet. He's like, I can't wait, man. He's like, I'm really excited for it. And oh, like, that's this so is cool. really cool. That's yeah. so cool, man, because that's something that you made. It's pretty fun. It's been, it's been such an awesome experience to work with friends and family on this thing. And, um, you know, we, we, we had some offers from studios after the short film and the Indiegogo campaign did so well. Uh, we did a, a week-long set of meetings, and it was funny. Some people were like, we'd tell them how we planned on making the movie. There was some, you know, some government money through Telefilm, which is um, government subsidy for the arts programs. Okay. And uh, tax credits and the money from Indiegogo. I was like, we're going to make this movie for, you know, this amount of dollars. And some people were like, you can't do that. That'll never work. And then other people were like, if you can do this, you should do this. And they're like, we're here if you want any help, but if you can make this movie, go make the movie the way that you can and then sell it afterwards. They're like, retain, you know, kind of the creative control on the upside and so you don't have to answer to anybody. But if you want to run stuff by us, we'll help you. So it was really interesting to see kind of the two sides of like, most of the time it was people who've kind of been in the industry for a long time and see it one way and don't really, aren't really open to it changing. And the other side was like, you know, for instance, Blum, for instance, Blumhouse, who has right. really kind of changed the whole game as far as making, you know, these $2 million movies that make $100 million. And they were like, this is really interesting. If you guys can do this, you should go do this. Awesome. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, it's hard to look at it differently. For sure. But it's, it, you have to. I mean, with companies like Netflix and Amazon and Hulu and Apple getting into the game and Facebook and YouTube, um, not to mention... Like HBO is changing everything now. They they originally, I think they spent a billion dollars a year on um, new content. They just announced they want to do $4 billion a year in new content. Netflix is doing, they announced they wanted to do 7 or $8 billion. They did 12 or $13 billion this past year. Yeah. Like it's just, there's so many outlets now that you can't just expect to be able to sit on somebody and, and, and tell them how to do something right. the entire time. Right. Well, and I mean, I think that's the coolest thing too is like, I mean... I don't know when, when we were younger, it was like, you couldn't just make anything. Yeah. And now you can not only go make something, but you can make something and make money. Like Indiegogo is a way to make money. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you can do so many different things. Like, the technology has really changed. You know, everybody's got a camera in their hands. Yeah. Like, you know, or we're doing a podcast here. Like the gear exactly. to make this podcast is maybe a thousand bucks. It's amazing. It's, it's the, the create, the, the creatives, or the, like, the creative opportunity is in everybody's hand right now. Yeah. Which is great, you know, which has really shifted the um, uh, film school yeah. uh, programs and stuff. Like, it's all hands-on now because right. you can go make a short film. You can go make, you know, YouTube. You know, you're not famous until you're YouTube famous. <laughs> I did, I did. Uh, uh, is, that, is that what it is? Oh, That's it's the barrier? crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> YouTube stars are you think somebody like, I mean, obviously there's the Tom Cruises and stuff, right? But if you think somebody is pretty famous, walk down the street with like a YouTube star. Right. 
It's crazy. Well, I heard, you know, speaking of, we were talking about uh, Alfonso Rivero in the mm-hmm. beginning. Will Smith is, is now much more known and YouTube. relevant because of his YouTube He's thing. crushing YouTube. Yeah. And it's just, like, even younger than, than me, like, I, I miss the YouTube. I, I watch a lot of YouTube, but I don't, I'm not nearly the YouTube generation. No. Like, 10 years younger than me and younger, like, I feel like 20 years and younger right now, 20 yeah. years old and younger, is... YouTube everything. Their first place to look for a solution to something is on YouTube. It's unbelievable. You can place. you can learn almost anything on YouTube. Pretty much. It's crazy. Yeah. Every everything you want to know, a twelve year old has made a tutorial video, <laughs> and they're famous. <laughs> yeah, it's it's absolutely wild. That I was watching uh, at the hockey game last night. There were two kids sitting in front of us, and they were, mm, I want to say like eight or nine. They weren't that interested in the hockey game. They were there with their parents. Parents had their Leafs jerseys on, and um, they had the phone, and they were passing it back. And they were watching YouTube videos no way. called The Most Satisfying Slime Videos. <laughs> Basically our version of Nickelodeon. It was crazy. It was just it was just like hands squishing slime and like putting Whoa. it into cups and like gooping it out. I was like, this is crazy. This is That's nuts. This is so weird these, to me. These kids have expensive seats. Yeah. And all they want to do is watch a free video that has no narrative. It's wild. That the, the other thing for me though too is like how YouTube has deleted narrative mm-hmm. in some ways. It, it really is. It's also now, shortened attention spans yeah. by a mile. Well, and even Instagram videos, because I mean, that's really what I don't know. What mm-hmm. what's is that your main? Is, yeah, intake? I would say social media would be Instagram. Would be my. Who's my your go-to. favorite uh, person to follow that you don't know, or, or account? Oh, man, um, I gotta look at it. We're I'll tell you right now. Uh, let's see. I know Batch, so I can't say him. Uh, I don't know what Batch his is. His name's King Batch, Andrew King. Batchelor. Okay. He was, I've done two movies with him. Awesome guy. Really, really nice. Uh, really, really funny. And he was a Vine star. Oh. And he went from Vine to YouTube and Instagram. And um, I mean, let me look what he's got now. He's got to be at like 15 million. Batch. What is it? King, I have, no, King I have no service in your. Yeah, you probably don't. I'm sorry. King Batch. Got it. <laughs> What's he at? Like 16 million? Yeah, yeah 17. That 17 internet million. guy who's in movies now. That's exactly. <laughs> and like, couldn't be a nicer guy, but we were shooting in New Orleans, walking down the street with Batch. He was stopped every two seconds. Whoa. Yeah. All right, I'm on. And him. it wasn't for his movies. Like, no. People like his movies, but it was for like his, his, his internet presence. Yeah. Um, he doesn't even have a um, A6.tv is his link. Um, I don't even know what that is. It's it's he's selling shoes. <laughs> I guess <laughs> this is interesting. Literally linking straight to an A6. It's wild. That's weird. Why wouldn't I guess? I guess maybe now you can buy the URL. Like oh. that, someone must have been like, "Yo, we want your URL." Because I mean, that's well. Anyway. Um, it's just it's really it's really interesting to see the paradigm shift in you know from movies in theatrical movies it's really hard unless you're making unless you're Disney right or you you have a really interesting horror movie like a quiet place or get out right i just it's really tough to fill seats like it has to be an experience worth going to it, you know to to drive somewhere on their set time Pay right. for parking, um, pay for food, pay for your ticket, 
Dude, I can afford all that shit. I have free tickets to the movies. I have 20 free movie tickets to the theater on Crescent Heights and Sunset. Would you rather watch it on Netflix? I'm not going. I haven't been there in a year. Yeah. I would rather pay that. I would rather pay $20 on iTunes to watch it in my fucking bed. Convenience is so undervalued by most people. Well, I don't even leave the house anymore. I haven't left the house in two days. I'm not kidding. I can tell. I do. (laughs) (laughs) No, I do Instacart. Instacart. Right? The food gets delivered. Um, Amazon. Mm Mm-hmm. Right, Amazon everything. Amazon everything. Yeah, Amazon now. I've done. I've done. I've postmated a gift. I had to buy someone a present because I was going to go see them in person, and I in, and I postmated a gift, like a pottery vase or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you can postmate anything. It's great. Anyway, yeah, you're right. I mean, so so how do you think? So as a person who's a producer, an actor, and a, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, you're at this right age, right? You're in between, like you said, YouTube generation and kind of Netflix generation. They're there and and going to the theater, what do you do? Uh, I like go what's s- next for you? You've got all these things, but then what do you really, what's the next, can you share the next idea? I don't know. You're I like, mean, you're like, it's an online bookstore. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, wait a minute. I think that, I think, I think movies will continue to have their place in theaters for like the $200 million movies. Like the, sure. the Star Wars movies, the, Rock. the Marvel movies. Movie starring huge, huge, huge stars, but at the same time, Chris Hemsworth, who is as big a star as you can yeah. get, has trouble opening a movie that's not Thor or Avengers. Whoa! And it's it's not his fault. The movies can be good, but it's a movie that most people would rather watch at home. And like, if you give me, even if you give me like the best movie out there, and you're like, hey, you can go see this in the theaters, or you can watch it at home on, you know your TV, you can pause it if you need to go to the bathroom, you yeah. want to order some food. Yeah. No one's going to cough or laugh or yell. Yeah. Exactly. You, what if you get stuck beside someone who just stinks uh, or, or is word, like a big mouth breather? Or can't seem to figure out how to get the Skittles out of that crinkly bag. Right. That to me, like that on a plane, I'm almost like, I need a new seat. This person needs to get the Skittle out of the bag because it's oh, crinkling. It's completely off topic, but my wife and I were on a plane and this woman pulled out her salad to eat that she brought on the plane that she had made herself. Oh, God. Hard-boiled eggs. No. I couldn't believe it. That's intense. I couldn't believe it. She cracked these things open, <laughs> and I was like... <laughs> I look at yeah. my wife. I'm like, what? We're on a plane. Are you That's out insane. of your mind? Yeah. My dad would have freaked out. He would have gotten direct. Oh, yeah. See, I admire a guy like that. <laughs> like, because she needs to be You get to a certain age, and you just yeah. say whatever you You become want. Larry David. Yeah. Because she needs to be made aware that, like... That's not okay. There's 150 people on this thing. Yeah. And, and you're the only least, one who's eating eggs. And at least the 40 in your immediate vicinity are <laughs> yeah. really shitty about this. Yeah, it sucks. Yeah. That is bad. People Dude. are going to be like, where'd the golf go? Yeah, we... Uh, <laughs> we've Ironically, in, uh, in, in Robbie's attempt to not do Joe Rogan, we've, we've come close. We're at 82 minutes. We're going to shut it down. Dude, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. This was fun. Um, everyone, go. They're in the description here, we'll have links to everything we discussed. Obviously, Robbie's Instagram. Uh, are you on you? Uh, is that your main Instagram, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm Instagram and Twitter. Yeah. Facebook, I don't use very much anymore. I don't even know what it is. Yeah. I heard it was started at Harvard. Might have been Stanford. I can't remember. What the crazy thing is, young people don't use Facebook anymore. They don't. My now bro- Facebook's for old people. Yeah. Yeah. It's for my aunt. It's so weird. They get things, real political. Things change so quickly. Yeah. 
Um, dude, I'm looking forward to hanging with you. Uh, Me too. I'm play glad some you guys. We're gonna we're gonna uh, uh, you know figure it out together. All right, everybody, have a great week. And uh, like I said, check everybody out in the description here. Thanks. Bye.